You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. showed remarkable patience, long-suffering, and trusting in God. Because Saul's son was not the Lord's anointed, like Saul or David. He was not anointed by the Lord. David seemed to have a right to crush everything that was in his way. But once again, we see great patience of David. David waited upon the Lord. David waited patiently for the Lord to do the work that he was going to do. Out of trust and respect for the Lord and respect for Saul's memory, he left this kid alone. God had anointed David king of Israel during the reign of Saul. He had to wait years to claim his throne. And when it looked like it was happening, David had to patiently wait again for God's plan to unfold. As Pastor Dave teaches today, David refused to force his reign on the people, rushing God's plan. Like David, wait for God to unfold his plan. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 2. As he begins his message, David begins a dark path. We are going to continue our study of 2 Samuel. So if you'll open your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 2, and we'll continue to see what the Lord has for us as we study his word. Interesting end of the first chapter. It's an interesting beginning, actually, of 2 Samuel, because there seems to be a lot of turmoil, and there will be some turmoil for about two years as David takes the reins and becomes king of Judah. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. But turn into your uh, Bibles, 2 Samuel 2. We're going to look at 2 Samuel 2, beginning in verse 8, and we're going to try to get through to 2 Samuel 3, verse 1. So as we start at 2 Samuel, David had been anointed king by the men of Judah. The men of Judah got together, and they came up, and they finally recognized what God had done many years earlier. They recognized his call upon David's life. And they anointed him king over all of Judah. And when I read this and I studied this, and I know it's difficult for me to, to get through a lot of verses sometimes, but when I saw this one passage, it struck me that God is still doing the same thing today. God chooses men, and he chooses women to be his instruments to use them mightily in some sort of ministry. And after he chooses them, he equips them. He, he builds them up and equips them, and he, and he trains them. And they might have to go through a, a training process. And, and some of the training process, like David, could be going into the fire. But it's a refining fire. And, and as we learn about him, and as we learn more about him, and as we draw close to him, he continues to train us and train us and train us, and he prepares the person. And sometimes it's a long time, depending upon the person who's being trained up, and also depending upon God, first and foremost. But when the person is ready, when the person is ready, and in God's timing, others recognize that call upon the life. 
Others recognize the call upon their life. And, and if it's a man in ministry, it's usually he's raised up in ministry and he might be ordained to be an assistant pastor or a pastor. He might be ordained to be an elder or something like that. Person, people are lifted up. And what is it? It's just man's recognition of what God is doing in their lives. God doesn't work in all our lives. And I hope and pray that that work would be recognizable to other people. I hope people would be able to look in your lives and go, God's working mightily in your life. I see that. And that's what we want. We want people to see Jesus in us. We want people to see Jesus in us. I see Jesus in your life. Well, how just him? Well, well, boy, you went through that trial. You, you seem to be very peaceful. Now, you may think you screamed and moaned and groaned the entire time, but they see something different. You know, we studied, about Mark studied, and, you know, I can't get away from the verse. It's a wonderful, wonderful verse. He studied in Daniel 3, and he was in Thessalonians. He studied in Daniel 3. When Shadrach, Meshach, yeah, those guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to do what the king wanted them to do. He, they refused to bow to the idol. And the king, some, some satrap, which means some little whiny guy, said, oh, king, these guys aren't doing what you want. And so they brought him in, and they challenged them. And, and they said, no, we're not going to do this. And, and even if you kill us, our God is strong enough to take care of us. We're going to serve our God and our God only, no matter what you do to us. Well, this infuriated Nebuchadnezzar. And you know the story. He pounded the furnace seven times hotter than it's ever been. Now throw them in the furnace. And the guys carrying them that threw them in the furnace, they burned up. The, the furnace was so hot. And they got thrown into the fiery furnace. They went into the fire for God. They said they weren't going to bow down to an idol. They said they weren't going to do it. And they hung in there tough, and they were thrown into a fiery furnace. And you know the story. Nebuchadnezzar looks in the furnace and says, wait a minute. How many guys did we throw into the furnace? Well, three. And he sees them, and they're walking around. Their bounds have been burned off. And he says, wait a minute. There's four in there, and the actual scripture says, and one looks like the Son of God. What does that tell us? When you're going through a fiery trial, when you're going through a really rough time, and you have faith, and you stand up for what you believe in, and people see, people see Jesus in you, they go, wow. They see that. They see that. And that's what is God's call upon your life. And when people see that, they are drawn to God. They're drawn to God. What's the scripture, Matthew? Let your light so shine that men might see your good works and do what? Glorify your Father who's in heaven. See? They're going to see you, but they're going to glorify God because of the work he's doing in your life. That's the, what's happening here. David is finally getting his due, so to speak. David waited a long time to be king. He went through an awful lot. And yes, he even backslid. He even backslid, but God raised him up. God was the one that built him up. God was the one that trained him. God was the one that did the work in him. And now the people from Judah recognize that, and they make him king. And one of David's first acts as being king, he extends an olive branch to the men of Jabesh-Gilead, which is in enemy territory, by the way. He shows them kindness. Why? Because they showed kindness to the bodies of Saul and his son Jonathan. They showed kindness. by They took their lives in their hands by going into the battlefield, getting the bodies out, and kind of nurture, helping them out after they'd been all chopped up and everything like that. They showed honor and respect, and this touched David's heart. And he asked them to continue. He asked them to come with them. 
And as we continue on in chapter 2, specifically in verse 8, we come to a very small but very large word. The word is but. And every time you see that, it should draw your attention because it means we're going to take a change. Sometimes the change is good. Sometimes the change is not so good. And anytime you see the word but, it should get your attention because there's a change coming. Something's going to happen. It's interesting that this word always signifies a change in the direction. David is king of Judah. He's finally sitting on the throne that God had promised to him years before. But, ah, let's read verses 8 through 11. But Abner, the son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, took Ishbaseth, the son of Saul, and brought him over to that place, and he made him king over Gilead over the Azurites and Jezreel, over Ephraim, over Benjamin, and over all Israel. Ishbathes, the Saul's son, was 40 years old when he began to reign over Israel, and he reigned two years. Only the house of Judah followed David. And the time that David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years and six months. So in this section, we are introduced to a key player by the name of Abner. We've been introduced to Abner before in 1 Samuel 14, verse 50. Let me go back for that so we can get a, a good idea of what we're talking about. In 1 Samuel 14, verse 50, it says, The name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Amahaz, and the name of the commander of his army was Abner, the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. So Abner was Saul's cousin, and he was the head of Saul's army. It was Abner, if you remember, in 1 Samuel 17, who brought David to Saul after David had killed Goliath. It was Abner who did that. Abner also was with Saul every single step of the way as Saul tried to hunt down David all those years. There was no love lost between Abner and David. Can anyone tell me why? Because remember the second time Saul was in the cave? And David took a, didn't kill him. He railed at Abner and he rebuked him for not watching the king. So there wasn't any love lost here. He and Abner didn't get along. They didn't like each other. You can look at that in 1 Samuel 26. Why? Because Abner was all about Abner. Abner was in it for me, myself, and I. He wasn't in it for anybody else. Everything Abner did had a selfish tone to it. He never gave glory to God for anything he accomplished, and he didn't care about unifying Israel. All he cared about was Abner. Abner's interest, Abner's promotion, Abner, Abner, Abner. That's all he cared about. So Abner disobeys the Lord by making Saul's remaining son, Ishbotheth, king. Notice it says he made him king over all of Israel except for Judah. They were divided at that time. The northern tribes, the, te the, the ten northern tribes were Israel. The two southern tribes were called Judah and Benjamin, or not Benjamin, but uh, I forget the name of the other tribe. Anybody help me out there? Who was the other tribe with, with Judah? Anyhow, there were ten tribes that were in the north, and they were Israel, and there were two other tribes. All right, one of them was Judah. Judah was the largest tribe. Remember that Judah had more people in it than anybody, so they got more land than anybody when Joshua was, was dividing the thing. I can't believe I don't have that name on me. Abner knew that David was God's choice for king. Abner knew this, and he rebelled against God. 
He knew that David was a gifted leader. He knew that David was a brave warrior. And he deliberately rebelled against the Lord by appointing Saul's remaining son. Why? Because Abner was power hungry. And he thought that if he got this king up there who was a weakling, that he would have the power over him. And Ishbosheth ended up being some puppet king anyhow. Abner manipulated him for personal gain. It's interesting that Ishbosheth was crowned by the general, but he was never anointed by God. Another great interesting thing I found is in 1 Chronicles 8:33, he's called by another name. He's called by Esh Baal. Now you know the Baals were Canaanite idols. They were Canaanite gods, and they always came against the Lord, the Baals, and they always represented evil. So he probably changed his name real fast. But they worshipped him. They were false gods, the Baals. We have similar situations today in both our political and our religious worlds. We have weak people like Ishbosheth who get positions because they're connected. We have strong people like Abner who try to manipulate others for their own personal benefit. We also have people who are of God who called and anointed, equipped, but they wait for God's timing before they can serve and other people join in and they try to get ahead of them. And although Abner got what he wanted, within five years, everything would come tumbling down. Abner would get what he wants. What's really interesting here is that David allowed Ishkobeth to reign over most of Israel. And during these two years, David showed remarkable patience, long-suffering, and trusting in God. Because Saul's son was not the Lord's anointed, like Saul or David. He was not anointed by the Lord. David seemed to have a right to crush everything that was in his way. But once again, we see great patience of David. David waited upon the Lord. David waited patiently for the Lord to do the work that he was going to do. Out of trust and respect for the Lord and respect for Saul's memory, he left this kid alone. I think it shows great patience. So as we come now to verses 12 through 17, we see that Abner foolishly challenges David's army. Let's read 12 through 17. Now Abner, the son of Ner, and the servants of Ishkobeth, and the son of Saul, went out from Manahim to Gibeon. And Joab, the son of Zeruiah, and the servants of David, went out and met them by the pool of Gibeon. So they sat down, one on one side of the pool, and the other on the other side of the pool. Then Abner said to Joab, Let the young men now arise and compete before us. And Joab said, Let them arise. So they arose and went over by number, twelve from Benjamin, followers of Ishkabeth, the son of Saul, and twelve from the servants of David. And each one grasped his opponent by the head and thrust his sword into his opponent's side, so they fell down together. Therefore the place is called Field of the Sharp Swords, which is in Gibeon. So there was a very fierce battle that day, and Abner and the men of Israel were beaten before the servants of David. What a strange thing. That's really strange. Some of this stuff is bizarre to me. I'm sorry. They go out there and they meet, and it's almost like they challenge each other. It's almost like the bully on the block challenged the young kid to a duel. It's crazy. The people honored David. They honored him above Saul. And eventually they would learn that David would be God's choice for king. But Abner's appointment of Saul's son as king over Israel was basically a declaration of war. It basically was a declaration of war against Judah. All of Israel except Judah with him and he felt he could easily defeat David's army, he had confidence in one person and one person only, himself. 
He didn't have confidence in the Lord. He didn't have confidence. When you're self-reliant, when you have confidence only in yourself, I can guarantee there's going to be some trouble. I can guarantee you're going to have some problems when you think you need to worry about yourself first and everything else later. Confidence in self gets you into trouble, especially when you're fighting against God. Little did Abner know, or maybe he did know, he wasn't fighting David, he was fighting against God. The other character in this play, if you want to say it, is Joab. He is David's nephew. Now, he may be on the side of David, there's not a lot to admire about this guy. This guy's going to turn out to be a real cruel and difficult person, but he's tough as nails. He's the kind of guy I want being general of my army. He was tough. I think David just tolerated him, to tell you the truth, because he had tremendous devotion to David, and he was an extremely strong fighter. But David never really felt comfortable with him because of the nature of everything that he did was against David's being. So what we read is not at all pleasant or commendable. And, but it does show us one thing. It just shows us how corrupt men can be. It shows us the corruption of men. The armies meet, and they're sitting there opposite this pool. And they said, let's get 12 from each side. We'll have a battle. Winner take all. 12 from each side. Come on, let's get up there and we'll have a great battle. This is like a sporting match. I wonder if they wagered on it. I mean, it's really bizarre when you think about it. It's really, it shows the foolishness of man. Where, where was God in all this? Where was God in any of this? It's, it's surprising that anybody won, which they really didn't at this time. The battlefield is named the field of sharp edges or the field of daggers. This escalates into a giant battle. They kill each other. These 12 men all stab each other at the same time and they all fall dead. This is bizarre. It really is bizarre. And then it escalates into a giant battle, and Moab and his men jump up, and Abner and his men, they all jump up, and Joab began to prevail. The men of David prevail over those of Abner, and they start to run away. This leads out to an all-out battle between Abner's army and Joab's army. And it's, even the scripture says, a fierce battle ensued. A very, very fierce battle ensued. And we know that Abner is defeated. Let's look at 18 through 23. Now the three sons of Zeruiah were Joab, Abishai, and Ashiel. And Ashiel was sleet of foot as a wild gazelle. That dude was fast. He could run, man, like a wild gazelle. He was fleet of foot. I like that. So Abishel pursued Abner. And in going, he did not turn to the right or to the left from following Abner. Then Abner looked behind him and said, Are you Ashiel? He answered, I am. Then Abner said to him, turn aside to your right hand or to your left and lay hold onto one of the young men and take this armor for yourself. But Ashel would not turn aside from following him. So Abner said again to Ashel, turn aside from following me. Why should I strike you to the ground? How then could I face your brother Joab? However, he refused to turn aside. Therefore, Abner struck him in the stomach with the blunt of the spear so that the spear came out of his back. He fell down there and died on the spot. And it was that as many as came to the place where Abishel fell down and died, stood still. So this poor young, little young fleet of foot gazelle chasing after Abner. It's almost as if Abner didn't want to kill him. It's almost as if Abner saying, don't follow me. Don't follow me. I don't want your brother Joab to be mad at me. I don't want to give him any more reason to hunt me down. I don't want this to happen. 
It was a fierce battle. We see these brothers, and, and, and we know that this is from David's sister, Zerulah. He goes after him. I don't know why. I guess he felt that he was close enough to the general, and you know the rule. If you kill the general, the battle's over. If you kill the king, the battle's over. So he thought maybe he could kill this guy. We don't know why he sought him out. It doesn't tell us. But maybe he was sent by Joab, or maybe he just went on his own. But we know he was a fast dude, like the speed of the gazelle. It doesn't appear that Abel had any desire to kill the poor kid, but this kid was persistent. Abel tells him to stop following him, to go away. He reminds him that if I kill you, a blood feud's going to start. But didn't stop. So the way the wording is, it seems like Abner was running, stopped short, and the kid ran into the spear. That's what it appears to be. It results in his death. It results in his death. Well, let's see what follows. Let's look at 24 through 32. Joab and Abishai, who also pursued Abner, and the sun was going down when they came on the hill of Amma, which is in Geba, by the road of the wilderness of Gibeon. Now the children of Bedrin gathered together behind Abner and became a unit and took their stand on top of a hill. Then Abner called to Joab and said, Shall the sword devour forever? Do you not know that it will be bitter in the latter end? How long will it be then until you tell your people to return from pursuing their brethren? And Joab said, As God lives, unless you have spoken, surely then by morning all the people would have given up pursuing their brethren. So Joab blew the trumpet, and all the people stood still and did not pursue Israel anymore, nor did they fight anymore. Then Abner and his men went all through the night, through the plain, crossed over to Jordan, went through all Bithron, and they came to Manaheim. So Joab returned from pursuing Abner, and when he had gathered all the people together, there was missing of David's servants, 19 men, and Ashiel. But the servants of David had struck down of Benjamin and Abner's men, 360 men who died. Then they took up Abshiel and buried him in his father's tomb, which was in Bethlehem. And Joab and his men went all night, and they came to Hebron the next day. Now there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. But David grew stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. Abner calls for a truce. I think he knows he's going to be beaten, so he calls for this truce. He's rescued by his troops, and he retreats. He knew if he lost the battle, everything was going to be gone, so he calls for a truce. The entire battle could have been avoided if Abner had allowed the Lord to be involved. Abner refused to let the Lord be involved. He initiated the battle himself, so he was to blame for the mess that it created. You know, so often we fail to involve God in our plans. How many times have you rushed out to do something without consulting with God? How many times have we rushed out in to do something, even ministry, without consulting if it's what God wants for us? And we get ourselves into trouble sometimes when we do that. We get ourselves into trouble when we rush out, not consulting God, thinking it's the Lord, and we just rush out and we do this. Abner schemed his way into the battle, and now he was trying to scheme his way out. And it's so sad that the Lord wasn't given time to lead and guide this group. Folks, when we lean on our own understanding, when we follow after our own ways and forge our own paths, trouble's not that far away. We, we can't do that. We've got to wait for God. We've got to wait and see what He's done. You are We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you, but that's all we have time for today on Assure Hope. We'd like to invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. 
There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. You can explore more of this series in 2 Samuel or jump to another book of the Bible. Each one gives unique insight into God's plan for you and this world you live in. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. In this busy world, setting time aside to study the Bible in depth is difficult. So we'd like to make that just a bit easier. By subscribing to our podcast, you'll have sound biblical teachings sent right to your smartphone or computer. What a great way to infuse your day with God's Word. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m., and you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. We're gathering in person, but we understand if you're not comfortable with that yet. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live. Just follow the link at assurehoperadio.com. We look forward to worshiping with you, either in person or virtually this weekend. That's all we have time for today. Tune in next time to continue this study in the book of 2 Samuel, right here on Assure Hope.